I want to introduce you now to the wonderful Maraid McGuinness, who is a mother of four children, a journalist, a researcher with RTE, with Gay Byrne. She then went on to become a, a member of the European Parliament and was the longest uh, running member of the European Parliament until she was appointed as financial commissioner last year. And she was also the first female vice president and indeed the first vice president of the European Parliament. A wonderful, absolutely fantastic mentor for all of us to have. And I'm delighted to be doing this podcast with her. So today I'm introducing Maraid McGuinness. Maraid McGuinness is a powerful mentor for all of us and I'm delighted that she's joined us in this Empowering for Women podcast. And Maraid has had an amazing career and I suppose I'm going to let you start, Maraid, by telling me all about that amazing career. Go back to even when you were in school and what was the, all of the, the sort of monuments in your life, as it were. Well, look, it's lovely to join you and thank you for, for the chance to chat about all of these important issues. And I suppose we all remember various parts of either national school or secondary school. I always had a sense, I come from a large family, um, farming family. I always had a sense that others were doing things and that I had um, always asked, why can't we do this as well? So I had a sense of believing that we should all have equal opportunity. Mm -hmm. I think that was driven by my mother, who was a very strong woman, who mm -hmm. perhaps didn't get the opportunities that she would have benefited from, mm -hmm. but didn't allow that hold her back. Mm -hmm. I do think she invested a lot of her, um, I suppose, her own ambition, which might have been curtailed a little, in her children, and she had plenty of them. There were eight of us. And that would have been a thing of the time, wouldn't it, Marie? Because back then, women couldn't have worked when they got married. Sure, they couldn't, unless there were teachers. I think. Yeah, or, yeah. or farmers because yes, yeah. my, my father was a farmer yeah. and, and sadly both my parents have passed away. So I, I always found that my mother was an equal partner on the farm. Brilliant. For example, she would have had her name on the checkbook with uh, my father, which at Good. that time, and it's a long time ago, was not common. Absolutely. I've been quite surprised even in recent years where uh, that might still persist that the man or the farmer has the checkbook yes. uh, and the woman is not named on it. So my mother obviously was very forward looking uh, they were a great team yeah. and to some extent um, because she was quite visionary on a lot of things she probably you know put that spirit into us yes. she also um, imbued into us uh, the ethic of hard work maybe too much work and too hard <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think you can't you can't actually throw that mantle off so yes, all of us yes. all in us would have that kind of you know my mother would always say if there wasn't a, an obvious job to do she'd find one very good uh, yeah. and she she had a saying where when we get all the little jobs done we sit down but we didn't sit down very often, often. Okay. so I, I think I come from that background also through school I would have gone to an, uh, an all-girls national school um, and then to firstly a secondary school all-girls and then we mixed in a community school which I think a lot of us found very traumatic mm, mm. Um, and oh, not a lot of my classmates would have gone to college at the time yeah. But I suppose my mother's ambitions for us and our own uh, energy to do that, I mean, a lot of us from the family did go to college. So I suppose there were a lot of things in my background that would point to me doing what I'm doing. Uh, and I blame my parents for it, okay. as you always do, or, Ray, I, or I thank them for good it. Good girl. And Ray, you were the first woman, am I right in that, to um, qualify with a degree in agricultural economics in UCD. So you yeah. were a first at a lot of things, yeah? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a deliberate first. And yeah. I'll tell you the little story again. And it, it says a lot about my mother. I actually it started to do science in UCD. Yeah. And I realised after a couple of months that it wasn't quite for me. My brother had was 
finishing ag science. And frankly, I thought they were having more fun, but which was probably true. So my mother uh, had a chat and she arranged, as mothers can, that I would transfer to agriculture. And then I was interested in the economics of it. Yeah. And it's amazing how that's so many years ago, because I qualified in 1980. Yeah. That some of those principles that I learned were so valuable, not in uh, only in my journalism career, but in my political career and still now today. Mm. So there, it, I always think it's great when you can make that link with stuff you've done in the past. It mm. never really fades. Yeah. Uh, and yes, I, w- I, w- I was the first, but there are now many uh, first, young women. Uh, and then you went on, Marie, to do a diploma in accounts and finance, which of course stays to you today, which is amazing. It's amazing where your things you do in the past you think you'll never use again. And yet, yeah. a good few years later, it comes to pass. Yeah. It's actually very useful to have on the CV. Yeah. Yeah. I always say that to schools or, or colleges that yeah. never dismiss um, a course you're taking, even if you don't particularly like it, you will be surprised how one day you'll say, gosh, 20 years down the road, you become that. finance commissioner. Or even longer in my case. <laughs> Another interesting little link is that uh, I'm now, as you know, here in the commission. Um, one of the first things I did when I uh, was elected to the European Parliament in 2004, I was quite determined that I wasn't just going to go there and just blend. Um, I felt it was an important opportunity, a small member state, that we make a difference. Mm-hmm. So how do you do that? Well, you don't do it by sitting in the bulk of the room. You do it by getting a job. Yes. My mother again saying it to me. So there was uh, Equitable Life, a company in the UK had collapsed, leaving policyholders uh, with huge losses. Uh, a committee of inquiry was set up in the parliament and I became chair of it because I pushed to become chair of it. Mm-hmm. And the fascinating thing is that's like 2005. Mm. When I was um, interviewed for this role here by the president and, and uh, given the job of financial services, equitable life was one of the first issues that came back because the work we did in 2005 was reflected in changes in legislation. So the, I, I'm, I love linkages and I think yeah. the more in life you make them, either with ideas or people, I, I think they just, they enhance and empower you. Totally, totally. And just going back, Maraid, after doing the, the your degree and your diploma in finance, you went on to media and journalism in RT, isn't it? And yeah. then you went on to present Ear to the Ground, uh, which we all loved. And obviously w- the, the thing about that when I was researching this last night is it gave you great communication skills and that's something that you really need as a negotiator in Europe isn't it? You do you know you need to know when to speak Mm -hmm. and more importantly when to listen Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think journalism gives you those skills Mm -hmm. but I think one of the stories I always tell is that when I again going back to my youth um, I used to watch the Late Late Show the Billy Barry children Mm -hmm. and of course they were my age at the time and there was me looking saying why aren't I'll never be on the late late. Why aren't we? You know, yes. I did have that sense again of, you know, why are we excluded? Mm. Mad really. But it's interesting that I ended up working on the late late with Gay Byrne <laughs> as a researcher. Yes. Because I had written to RTE in my naivety, a handwritten letter saying I was interested. So again, I often think with young, with children, I think a lot of children are, they're not willing to share their dream or their vision for fear of being told after you'll never get there. And I always say to children, you know, sometimes it's okay to have a little secret here about what you'd like to do. And if you don't want to share it, that's okay. But don't give up on it. But you also Um, did something about it. You wrote the letter, which was really important. Kind of copies of things. I I keep bits and pieces and whenever I get a chance, I'll go through them. Uh, So, yeah, I think things worked out for me in a way that perhaps if you were trying to plan it or Mm -hmm. plot it, 
you'd fail. Mm -hmm. But I think if you're open to possibilities, mm -hmm. but also if you're prepared to face your worst fears, because mm -hmm. I think both journalism and politics involves mm -hmm. facing your worst fears. I mean, I remember my first radio broadcast in RT, I couldn't breathe yes, for the yes, fear of it. You yes, know? Yeah. Whereas now I, I don't have, obviously I'm considerably older. I don't know if I'm wiser, but I'm certainly older. So I think that you do learn, but facing your fear is important totally. and not being overwhelmed by it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think all of us at, at various ages, um, you never fully kind of are yeah. entirely comfortable in some situations, but That's you have to I suppose, battle with your own head. Absolutely. And Ray, uh, why did you go from a very solid career? Your mother would have wanted instilled in that solid career of journalism to uh, the political career, which, you know, is you have to reelected every few years. It's 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 a, and a brilliant career, but it's a challenging one in that sense. It doesn't have that safety net. Of, yeah, of the, of I think the... if you were to ask my mother what she really thought, I think <laughs> she was horrified. Yes. She was frightened for me. Yes. Um, and she probably couldn't understand why I would want to move from, as you said, I was both writing and broadcasting. And what was the but, reason, you know, I, what, what was the yeah, reason you went? What was that? I think the re there were two reasons. One was, I think I'd always an interest in politics. So, uh, as you know, um, uh, Fine Gael is the party that I come from. But I would have watched... Um, Cosgrove as Taoiseach, I would have watched speeches. I can quote some of them. Um, I was interested in ideas. Mm. And, and so, and I think we talked a lot about politics in the House. And females in politics, what mentors did you have, Mairead? Oh my God, I think that Gareth Fitzgerald's um, arrival in politics and his encouragement of women, I'm yes, thinking of yeah. Monica Barnes, um, you know, Avril Doyle, uh, Nora Owen, those women that are, you know, strong um, role models. Mm -hmm. In my teens, they were significant for me. Mm -hmm. Now, did I ever think I would run for politics? No, because one of the visits I made was to Strasbourg as an, a journalist, a very young journalist mm. in about 22, um, in the European Parliament um, and meeting the then commissioner, um, uh, the Irish commissioner, and having all sorts of interesting debates. But I never thought I'd be ending up in the parliament. Uh, and Airing the parliament at first as first vice president, and also there you're the longest MEP, Marie. Am I right in that? You're the longest yeah. serving MEP, I think, in Europe until I quit. Until yeah. I, I moved, yeah. moved over. But I think the main reason I, I did what I did um, was that I was in a very comfortable place. Mm. And I think that sometimes when you're very comfortable, you can keep doing it. But I had got to a stage where. I knew what the story would be even before I interviewed the, the person. Mm. That's not a good place, really. Mm. If, like me, you like new ideas and you like to be challenged. Now, having said that, when I took the decision, um, uh, it was extremely frightening, I have to say. Mm. I, mm. I think I lost a stone weight overnight, not mm. overnight. It, because of the stress, you go from being somebody that was on television that people liked on near to the ground to being judged as somebody who had joined a party yes. and was looking for votes. And, you know, from one day to the other, it's really a big change. Mm -hmm. You also realise when the posters go up that it's a very public exposure of yeah. your person yes. uh, and that people will blacken out your teeth and put a moustache on you or, or worse. Yes. And so I suppose in the beginning, I found that really difficult. And also leaving uh, your family, Marie, because you have four children yeah. and a lovely husband. So, go, you know, yeah. going to Brussels, that was a big change too, wasn't it? It was. Again, that's quite interesting because because my husband was very encouraging of me running mm. for politics. He would have worked uh, with John Bruton and he would be a very um, committed community person, mm. you know, has farmed since he was 16, mm. is rooted in community. Mm. But he was very, very happy for me to do whatever I, I wanted in a way mm. and to 
support me, including putting up posters and bless him uh, and some good neighbours. They so travel constituency, putting them up and taking yeah. them down. So I never talk- had any resistance. He, he always was supportive. On the on the children question, fascinating. Um, after I got elected the first time in 2004, I did an interview with, uh, I think it was with RTE, and the question was posed to me, are you not... Um, you know, do you not feel, I don't think the word was guilty, but that was the inference, mm. leave your children. Mm. And I was quite shocked by that question. It would have been asked thought, to a, a male yeah, politician. You know. Yeah, mm. I thought it was, you know, because I thought, my God, we're, are we still in that era? Mm. And I remember saying at the time, you know, there are um, nurses and carers who come from the Philippines leave their children with grandparents. Mm. They don't get home every weekend. They probably don't get home every year. And we never ask, how is it for them yes, exactly. or their children? So I think that answers that question very well. Totally. I mean, truthfully, I mean, we had a discussion amongst the women commissioners recently. And the truth is, I think if you're in a demanding role and you're in one, you do need, a, 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 I suppose, a structure behind you yes. that, that that is, a, 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 if you like, a, a comfort or a support. I think you can't do it without that, whatever that support is. Totally. Uh, friends, family, whatever, you need that. And you need somewhere to fall back on when times are tough totally and I suppose Marie we've often you know men have reached your role but they've had a strong woman behind them but you've reached the the, the high road now and your your husband and family are very much supportive of you as well I think it's important to point that out isn't it that you do need a strong person behind you um you know your spouse or partner or whatever it's essential isn't it oh it's absolutely essential I mean I work very hard as you do as well and as many of us do um but I know that when I go home I literally cast off the work clothes and I become almost a different person because mm. I'm, I'm in the yard and I'm sweeping in the rain. It's one of my de-stressors <laughs> and they all think I'm completely mad. Yes. Uh, but yeah, you do need that support. Yeah. And I'm also conscious that because I'm a public figure, I, I want to protect my family. Yes. And happily, they have a different surname than I have. So that allows them own me or disown me, yes. whatever the case may be. But I, I, yeah, I think you always need support. They're very, very proud of you. So Marais, bring us on then to the, the MEP, to the Financial Commissioner. There was a, an opportunity. For, no, first of all, Vice President. You went for the Vice President. Tell us about that first. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also important to say that, uh, you know, when I went for things, I wasn't all successful. So I know first in the political group, the EPP, I would have run for a Vice Presidency of the political group. Mm. Uh, and I knew I probably wouldn't make it, mm. but I knew that it, they wouldn't forget me. Yes. And yes. I remember when I didn't make it, uh, standing up to make a speech, which I think went down well, but I ended it by saying, look, like the Terminator, I will be back. So I think that set the stage. So when I did run again, I was successful. Um, And then I ran for, uh, you know, the Bureau of the Parliament and then ended up as first vice president. Um, And I suppose I think there's a few things. If you're determined and if you work well with people, I mean, I think you have to accept you won't always get your way. And if you try to bully your way, you're definitely not going to get your way. And that failure is part of success. So for all of those things that worked for me, there were many that didn't. Yes, yes. Uh, And I think we we need to say, because sometimes I worry that people see either me or you or others in rows and they think, gosh, look so lucky and it, it looks so rosy. It's anything but. Yes. I mean, there isn't a day goes by that there's not something really tough for me to deal with, whether it was in the parliament or here or or as a journalist or where you have to make a decision. That's not an easy one, but it rests on your shoulders. Yes. yes. Um, So I I want to dispel the myth that, you know, for women or indeed men, that, you know, whatever your path is, that it can be, it's smooth. Not at all. It's very bumpy along the way. But that's professional. You have to put out the brave face, haven't you? And that's the thing. Well, I think you do. And Mm. I think you have to try and make 
the best of, of the situation you're in. Mm-hmm. But also admit, particularly with young women, with, with schools and, and whatever, admit that it can be tough and tough. build resilience. Mm. Because I worry sometimes that if we don't build resilience in our children or in ourselves, mm. That life can be very tough, and this totally. pandemic, I think, has made life much tougher for younger people. Totally, so, totally. And I think by you being saying that with honesty, as you are, Maraid, that it, people that are listening will realise that hang on here, it doesn't. Because you know, as you said, in the in the era where social media looks so glamorous all the time, people think that's the way it always. And then if they have failings, they feel less worthy. Which, of course, we all have our struggles, but we just keep going, and that's the reality. Uh, Absolutely. And, and I think media generally, because social media gets blamed, but media, media generally, generally yes, I, mean, yes. I was a journalist. Mm. Um, so I think we need perhaps to, to learn how to switch off. So, mm. for example, if I do an interview that I think was tough or that is going to get a backlash, I don't watch Twitter. I actually don't look at it. I consciously don't. I get tempted, but I don't because in 24 hours it's changed right. or even in an hour it's changed. Exactly. So I, I avoid upsetting myself because I know it won't do me any good and life will move on. Um, I think in this role, which is a different role than the parliament, the responsibilities were were great in both. This is a very defined area of financial stability and capital markets and all of those big issues, where again, I think women are not visible enough and where the language of the financial system is not inclusive. And one of the things I've said here to the DG, because I I have great people around me, is that we need not just to be industry-facing, we need to be outward-facing. So financial literacy in a digital age, we are very, very poorly trained on financial issues. Um, And then with digitalization, you can make a decision to either buy shares or whatever or invest very rapidly. Mm. And unraveling that decision can be quite difficult and Mm. painful. Mm. So I'm pushing areas in the work here that will be more visible for people rather than some of the internal market infrastructure, which is really important stuff, but isn't as visible um, as as this other one. And as a woman, did you find it hard to to be taken seriously in your role as financial commissioner? Was it harder? because it doesn't tend to be a women's role. It's wonderful that you're there, Maraid, and you're a mentor for all of us, but it wasn't traditionally a woman's role. Was it hard for you to sort of make the guys listen to you and, or, or was it easier because Ursula von Leiden was there and she was also leading from the front? Yeah, I mean, there's a few points to that and I'm very important to mention the president of the commission, Ursula von der Leyen, because she absolutely delivered on what she said she would do a gender balanced commission and that was not easy mm. uh, and it might be interesting at some point you know if we should chat to her about how difficult that was but would she was very to. determined mm. i think you know when you say was it difficult i think i am the first woman to hold this portfolio mm. Mm, so obviously definitely. that is a break with tradition i have been on meetings here on my screen too many uh, online meetings where I would check the faces to see was I the only woman in the room. And where I am, I actually say it because yes. I think if you don't call it out, yeah. those who are present will not see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also think it's quite um, depressing and shocking to think that we have two women as leaders. So we've Angela Merkel, the German Chancellor. Another great woman. Have, yeah, and we have Ursula. But when the Chancellor moves, we'll have one less. And what always has troubled me about women and visibility uh, and representation is that sometimes um, the comment will be made, look, sure, aren't there one or two of you there? Or, you know, that kind of yes. stuff. So, so one yeah. is enough or two is plenty and three will be accepted. And, and I must say, I admired Ursula for coming out with the re- recently with the, the Turkish um, guy. Yes. I, I admired her for voicing her distaste yeah. at what happened. I thought she was very, very strong to do that. What did you she think, was- Marit? She didn't do it immediately. Mm. She allowed the issue to filter into all our, our heads as being very 
inappropriate mm. and wrong mm. that her was not given an equal seat exactly. at the table. Um, and she used the European Parliament in a speech where she could, as she said, articulate her um, annoyance, upset and discontent with what happened. Mm -hmm. Many women who might face similar situations don't have a platform. That's and therefore she felt an obligation to use her experience and her platform to speak for women who don't have voices. I've often said that myself when we're debating issues in the parliament, that those of us who have really a privileged position mm -hmm. um, should articulate for those who don't have a voice. Absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, in this building here, we have mainly women actually who come in to sanitize and, you know, keep mm. us protected. Uh, and uh, it's really important for me that we acknowledge them. I mean, that we don't treat them as being invisible. They're as important as I am in terms of keeping this show on the road, if you like. Um, and, and again, sometimes when we talk about women and powerful positions, it's really important to, to make sure that, yeah, we need to see more visibility. Mm. But we also need to talk for those who are less powerful. This pandemic has increased the amount of uh, domestic violence and abuse, oh, has right. really um, shown that women's role in society is still around caring, which is such an important role, but also undervalued Absolutely. and underestimated. And Maria, you're a journalist. Why do you think domestic violence isn't hitting the headlines? I cannot understand that. Why is it not on the front page? Like we're all hearing it's doubled and yet mm. they're, they're running away from it. They're, they're not addressing it on the front page. I, I just don't understand it. Yeah, and I find it very hard to understand. Mm. I mean, uh, you know, in my political role, I would have visited and spoken to women who, were, who had to recourse mm. to shelters. Uh, and it's only when you sit down with a woman that could be you mm. or your sister exactly. or your mother yeah. uh, and you realise what they have endured before they left. Yes. Um, and maybe saying it like domestic violence has increased just allows us to accept it rather than analyze it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, the horror of it, the horror of it. And when you hear court cases, and I suppose this is when it does make the headline mm. uh, of how women have been treated, but domestic violence, whether it's against women or men, sadly, it's mainly women, but equally men, is wrong. I mean, we need totally. respect each other totally. uh, because it equally happens when children are watching and that sort of, you know, makes it become a generational uh, issue as well. And I suppose it's as human beings, we're not well equipped to deal with stress. And sometimes that stress uh, allows um, somebody who's bullying mm -hmm use violence uh, to it. release their stress and they think that's okay or worse and including mm. the psychological um, uh, oppression of women. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of my fellow commissioners, I remember her making a speech in the parliament where she spoke about her experience mm. uh, on this very issue. And I have to say, I was chairing the debate and I really, I took a sharp intake of breath because the significance of her comments in the chamber, people would have saw her as somebody who had reached a certain position mm. and would not have thought that she had gone through through any difficulties. And that's why I constantly stress that and while, thank God, I have not experienced uh, those uh, really awful situations of, of domestic violence, that, you know, many of us face other challenges mm. in life that can throw you off course. Mm. Um, and, you know, I haven't dealt with them all very well on occasion, but I think I've learned from them that I'm going to try and help others, first of all, to acknowledge that life is tough. Absolutely. And that there are ways of making it easier, but sometimes there are things that you just have to face into. So those headwinds, mm. I, I mean, like the poster issue, like running for election, mm. uh, like realizing when you were lower in the polls than your running mate, that it was time to put a bit more I mean, juice in the tank to, to push yourself mm. forward. There's nothing like nearly winning an election 
to push you to win an election. I was very and proud when I, sorry, Marie, I was very proud when I saw that you were co-chair of the um, the heart group to change yeah, things. Yeah. I'm very proud when I saw that when I was doing the research. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, You're really, an amazing woman. No, one of the issues that I've worked on, I'm, I'm doing it here as well as deinstitutionalization. I think people with disabilities or those with mental health issues across Europe, we still have large institutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have community-based care. Um, I fought for a few years when I got elected to make sure we changed the regulations so mm-hmm. that you couldn't use European money to build inappropriate institutions, mm-hmm. which might make us feel fine that, oh, there, we put them there. Mm-hmm. That's shocking. Yeah. I mean, as they would say, nothing um, about us without us. We've yes. a long road to travel uh, on, on treating equally people who have a disability. And mm-hmm. again, you know, you might think, well, it won't apply to us, but mm-hmm. actually any of us can have a fall or have some mm-hmm. um, illness that affects our capacities, either physical or mental. Mm-hmm. Would we want our lives to be absolutely altered or to be told that you have to go into an institution from your home? Threatful. We wouldn't. Uh, and I think these issues haven't gone away. In fact, they're probably more prevalent and we need to work with them. I mean, Europe is a very developed uh, union, mm-hmm. but there are parts and, and places in Europe where we have a lot of work to An do. An awful lot of work to do. But Mairead, you, you, you're amazing because I asked you to, we met actually at something for Simon, wasn't it? It was and for Little Christmas. For little in... Christmas, Women's <laughs> Little Christmas. It was fabulous. And I asked yeah. you if you would come and talk at the, we, I was organising an empowering conference in the University of Limerick and you're in the middle of doing your election for the European Parliament and what did you do when she came down and spoke in the University of Limerick to all the, the students, 850 people but in it were the traditional students male and female as well as loads of other wonderful guests and you were one of the main highlights Marie. so you're so generous with your time but one of the things that the, the transition year students uh, came to me afterwards and said was they saw you as a huge mentor because you having reached the high that you have give them you know there's not too many female mentors of your magnitude and they said that you know it's amazing if she can achieve that we feel we can achieve it as well so I thought that was extraordinary it is nice to hear that yes. actually but yeah. I mean remember Mary you were quite persuasive so when we did the, <laughs> and we had a lovely chat and I, I mean Fabulous. and in fact I mean, on health issues, we had wonderful chats and yeah. I, I, I just, uh, you know, really appreciate our friendship since then. Uh, but when you asked me to go to Limerick, why wouldn't I? Because you were there, I was there, Mary Harney spoke. and Mary brilliant. Harney, for me, is also a political icon. That's right. Um, a woman who can speak without notes, who has a personality. Um, so, I mean, even though I was out of my constituency, I enjoyed going down uh, and, and talking. And I also think there is a responsibility on those of us who have managed whatever to do things to make it accessible to others. I mean, I would like to think that not everybody will be a commissioner or a, a member of parliament or a politician or uh, be as a specialist as you are in your work. But nor should we deny those who might want to do that the possibility. Mm-hmm. But equally, we should respect those who support us. So those who would look after our children or those who might help us with some domestic duties. I mean, I have huge respect for that invisible army mm. that, that really support uh, those of us who are, frankly, away from home a lot yes. uh, to allow us to do that. And I include my husband in that because mm. without a supportive, uh, I suppose, ecosystem around you, which we've said earlier, you know, this would fall to nothing. Equally, I'm very aware that uh, while this is today and now, this will end at some point. Mm. And I'm, I'm, I'm frankly very aware that the best place for me to find refuge is at home. So mm. for me, 
you know, all of this will go and, you know, somebody else will come that's better and, and do wonderful things. Uh, but but where I will probably need to make sure that I'm most comfortable is is back at home, mm. sweeping the yard, painting or whatever it is, mad things I do mm. or in the garden. Um, and I think that balance is important. So I don't see this life and this role as overtaking parts of me that are private and important mm-hmm, to me. Mm-hmm. What I do see in this role, I think it's an enormous privilege. I remember the first time I attended a college meeting. I mean, I represent, I mean, I'm, Ireland is my member state, but I represent now the European citizens. And, and realizing that I am in a very privileged position, mm-hmm. a position where I can do, I could perhaps do very little or I can do a lot to make a difference. And given my past track record, I certainly intend to do a lot to make mm-hmm. a difference, including around opening the financial world to citizens, mm-hmm. because we have a situation where there will be pensions gaps. Today, people have money on account in banks earning nothing or indeed being charged interest. And yet we're, we don't invest in the way that other uh, countries like the US do. So we want to encourage retail investors. Mm-hmm. We need to empower them. Mm-hmm. And we need to see more women in positions uh, uh, in the financial system. I've met some really very, very strong and mm-hmm. powerful women. I mean, Christine Lagarde, for example, is, mm-hmm. is, is a great role model. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I do a lot of work with her. We, we had a lovely picture of four of us recently at an event in Lisbon where the finance ministers were meeting. So we had the Spanish finance minister who's female, Christine, myself, and the chair of the Economic and Monetary Affairs Committee of uh, Parliament, Irene, who's uh, Italian. So it was a lovely picture. Um, There was lots more men in the background. But I think these pictures speak volumes. Mm -hmm. And I suppose going back to that old um, theory that you, you can't be what you can't see. Yes, uh, And I think this is about visibility. I also sometimes look at television and the age profile of women who are interviewed or who are interviewing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is always younger. Yes, yes. Uh, because women are judged on appearance. Um, and I do think that some uh, broadcasters are looking at trying to rebalance. So there are women experts in all sorts of areas. Mm. But but over time, we've, we haven't heard their voices. Mm-hmm. And now I think there needs to be a deliberate strategy to make sure that we hear their voices. So Absolutely. we balance uh, the mix. And I think that's that will just make for a, a better world, better decision making. The only thing that I fear, Mairead, is that I'm dealing a lot with teenagers with uh, hormone problems and, and all up along. And while we're, we're doing an awful lot to empower women in our society, there's still I'm still frightened by that lack of self-esteem in young girls in particular. And mm. I just think that as we have to make way more change in our society, because I, I really do believe that is because we still have, for example, sport. You look at sport, uh, you know, yeah. it's it's very much um, male dominated on our screens. Therefore, our young girls are looking at that saying that they're not being represented properly. Are they lesser beings? It feeds into that. The church and while there's fantastic, um, the priests and everything, I'm talking about the hierarchy of the church need mm. to be more aware that it has to be more equal. Um, I, I we, Politically, we have already spoken about, you know, and, and on the financial thing we've, we've mm-hmm. spoken about but how, how do we drive it that we really we don't want to sort of start it like it was 20 years ago and then there was a or even 30 years ago and there was sort of a stop how are we going to keep it going and push on and really bring equality because that's what we want is gender equality we don't want feminism but we just want gender equality because that's where if, if we all see ourselves as equal there's no financial abuse there's no sexual abuse there's no physical abuse that's that's mm-hmm. where both of us would love to get to yeah I, I think I'd share your concern mm-hmm. 
um, I would see what you see sometimes in schools. Um, there's a vulnerability, well, young men and women, mm. but yeah, maybe not valuing themselves or allowing their value to be uh, determined by the number of likes on Instagram or whatever. I mean, that's a really serious problem. Uh, I, my, mine are all in their 20s. I'm, I'm glad I'm out of that, that space because it would be a worry. And uh, so I, I think it's a school issue. Mm. It's, um, it's, it's you and I talking to groups. When you mention sport, um, my daughter Orla and Anya both played uh, football. Well, Orla still does with me. Uh, and you are right, mm. um, because, uh, you know, she's a very good footballer and, and her team are, are they're good footballers and they're they need to be treated the same as, as the men who play totally, football. Totally. Um, and I think slowly they're making progress. But why is it um, taking so long, Marie? That's what I can't understand. We're I all mean, paying the TV license, you know. And... Yeah, but I, I think that the, the trouble is change comes slowly. Yes. And what I worry about is those of us who have a capacity to bring about change, that we should not tire of the effort. Mm, mm. Uh, because if we pull back, then it will reverse. That's it. And equally, you know, even things around liberal democracies or equalities and freedoms, we take for granted that all of the progress we've made in those areas mm. uh, will will keep going in that direction. Mm. But that's not what history tells no, us. No, no, that's my so that's. You can actually concern. reverse to a very, very ugly place in society yes. if the politics is wrong and if uh, you know the leaders, uh, you know, don't have the public interest mm. at heart. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure why we still have such a big problem. Mm -hmm. But I think that, um, and maybe COVID has allowed us to talk about these issues again. Yes. Uh, and we need to listen to those who are doing the research mm -hmm. and use that research to try and target what we are doing. One of the lovely things, I mean, I really miss going into schools and I love little yeah. kids anyway and seeing that little person who's you can always find the shy child yes yes and yes them. and what I try to do I suppose because I four myself and I'm from a family of eight is, is find that little soul who's there but a bit shy and I kind of go down and I say you know I said I'm really I'm really nervous will you come up and help me because yes. they're going to ask questions and you can see them blossom and yeah. I just think if you can do that I mean that's worth diamonds yes totally it really is worth diamonds to see that little person because i suppose the truth of all of this is all of us who've had children will know that you can see from the day your children go to school those little children who are just not in the best place or are vulnerable or have yeah. difficult circumstances and therefore early intervention uh -huh, totally. um, you know, is hugely important and it also builds confidence that you've uh, referred mm, to mm. and builds people that are better able to face the headwinds or to make decisions or to, to decide that they might want to uh, mm. move onwards they might want to be with their family that those choices are equal equally yeah uh, but that you're free to make them totally. rather than feeling that you can't do one because of the other. Exactly. Uh, and we're not there yet. Honestly, I keep saying that when I was 16, um, I thought that this would be way, you know, that yeah. by the time I'm 61, which I am now, and shortly to be even more, I thought we wouldn't be discussing this. Yeah, I, I really know. I know. It it's, it's Trevor, we really have to push on because I was listening to a podcast by Brendan O'Connor with Alison O'Connor and mm -hmm. she was talking about the imposter syndrome in women, that it's very common that they don't realise their self-worth. You know, and of course, I see that all the time because women come in with hormone imbalance totally because their pituitary gland is exhausted from overdoing it. And if they only realise their self-worth, they wouldn't realise that they had to do so much or achieve so much, you know. So uh, it's but I think I'm a bit guilty of that syndrome, you <laughs> <laughs> mentioned. I mean, I think a lot of women are. Yes. 
because I suppose one of my failings is that I think I have to know everything and mm. that if I don't know everything about an issue that I, I shouldn't speak about it. Yes. Whereas maybe um, it's okay to know some things that you don't have to know everything. So I'm a bit hard on myself in that regard. Um, but I, I remember the, the lovely talk you gave in Limerick and you put up a pituitary gland slide and, and I put my hand up and said, that's my pituitary <laughs> gland. Yeah, I think we're, we're tough on it. We're tough on ourselves because yeah. we try and carve ourselves up into different pieces. Uh, and I, I, I often find the person that I least look after is myself. Mm, mm-hmm. I worry about everybody else, both my own family, my siblings, my, but but kind of then you forget about yourself. Um, and maybe at this ripe old age, I'm beginning to realise that, you know, there's less in front of me than behind me. And mm. maybe I need to look after myself a bit. Absolutely. And it's okay to do that. I always say that we need to, and this is a compliment to men, but men are empowered in society. And I think as women, we need to look at how men are empowered and follow them because they're great to look after themselves. And I mean that in a complimentary way, you know, yeah. that, but it's because they're empowered all the way up through society They're, you know, everything for them is much easier than women, you know, in terms of all the things I've mentioned. And yeah, I, think, I think that's true. I think for some men, there's a terrible struggle as well. There I is. mean, I've yes. to some um, politicians who have young children and yes, they find yes, the same totally. struggle. And I think it's good that we talk about mm. uh, things uh, but I suppose it's more that it's more natural if so, it's a wrong word but, mm-hmm. but because it's the way it is uh, yeah. I think when women are trying to uh, work in that space do we become men or do we try and find our own way of networking and, and working together? I, I don't think we become men. I think we just, you know, they've got some very, we, we're both different, but, but we're both equal and we yeah, are all complimentary. complimentary. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, the other thing that oh, through my life I've been intrigued by uh, being in gatherings where I might have been the only person. And I remember one such gathering a long time ago and a very senior person, uh, actually in the financial system, um, who didn't realise what I would be come maybe but said you know about I think it was so visible that I was the only one like how did you get in yeah suggested that women will get there when they prove their worth oh, which goodness. actually was such a shocking thing yes. to hear because it meant that every single man here would be better than any other woman that might exist outside the room which mm. isn't true no no not uh, at all uh, and I think it, is it was it maybe I'm misquoting Madeleine Albright but who said we will have reached equality when the room contains um uh, mediocre women. Yes. So sometimes you're asked, like, what extra will you bring if women are at the table? And I'm thinking, why should we bring extra? Yeah, exactly. Why should we be just there? Yeah, we're feminine, um, they're masculine, we all have different, but we're equal yeah, at the same time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I think we'll be talking about it for quite some time. Yeah, but, totally. you know, you've done great work. I mean, you're a great woman for hormones, and I won't go into <laughs> the detail. Uh, but even empowering women to realise that, you know, we all go through bad times. The menopause has been such a big issue recently, but women didn't talk about it. No. But suddenly you realise, actually, why weren't we talking about this? Right. Why are we being ignored? Absolutely. And why is it that some women suffer for decades? Yeah, absolutely. Literally. Totally. And then come out of it thinking, my God, if only somebody had told me, I wouldn't have been dragging myself around yeah, for abs- years, wondering absolutely. why I'm why feeling awful, yeah. why am I anxious? Marie, oh. I don't know if you heard, but it it completely took over the Joe Duffy show for two and a half full weeks. Can you believe it? Two and a half full weeks. Incredible. It was incredible. I didn't get to hear the programs, yeah. but I got the fallout from it and yes. I got the conversations yeah. about yeah, yeah. And then the other articles that followed and your intervention. So, you know, I mean, talk to Joe is one way of getting Absolutely. raised, but that's only the first part of it. That's it. Because mm-hmm. then you need to get the medical profession to think holistically about yes. the person rather than the bit that has the pain. That's right. Um, and I think around women, particularly, that needs more attention. I, I was laughing about you saying men, men are better at after themselves. I remember going doing a time management course. I think the twins were just 
tiny at the yes, time. Yes. I thought, might be this. And the first thing the guy said when he was doing it, he said, now get out your diary and put in the, the days you're going to play golf. And I said, golf? Like, <laughs> my idea was, you know, where, when am I going to, you know, go do the groceries or when will we go to the doctor, whatever the things were. I hadn't thought, but this was his first thought. And he's probably right. Yes, yes. But I mean, I did try to play golf and I took lessons secretly at once. And when the... Um, whatever they call the mentor, the, what's, what's he called? The expert yeah. said, he said, do you like dancing? And I said, yeah, I do actually love dancing. He said, yeah, I thought so. Cause your hips are going in all the wrong direction for golf. <laughs> that was the end of my golfing career and I haven't revived it. <laughs> oh God, absolutely excellent. So Maria, what do you think going forward we, we, we can do to really empower people? What are the key points, you messages you want to get across to all the people listening that you think okay. are important? Okay, in a minute, because I just have yes, a minute. Yeah. I think what's really important is honesty. Yes. And I think we need to be honest, those of us who are in particular roles, about, you know, what happened and how, and was it easy, was it difficult, what would you do differently? And we need to listen to voices of, of women who want uh, d- different choices mm. and respect their choices. But I think it's about giving voice. Uh, at a time when I think the issue of equality um, is talked about, but I think people think it's it's over. Mm. And that worries me, as you've already said. Mm. Mm. So I just think that it is about that um, giving space for this conversation um, and that it's okay to talk about it and okay to wonder about it. And maybe in a post-COVID world uh, where homeworking and more interaction between our real lives and our working lives will blend better. I remember when the children were small and when I was working from home and if I was talking to a minister and it was one Lord of Mercy on on Joe Walsh at the time Mm. and the baby cried, I didn't kind of cover the baby's mouth. I said, the baby's crying. Yeah, this is yeah. real life. Yeah. Get on with it and get over it. And he, he, of course, was only thrilled to know. I've always brought my children with me where it was possible, where I needed to be somewhere. And I've never had that rigid divide because I think it's false. Absolutely. So honesty is really the beginning. The big, you're okay. an amazing woman, financial commissioner and just an amazing woman. And the lovely thing for us is that we know that you're going to help us so much in Europe because you're going to really, you have the real powerhouse in Europe. We are Europeans. And I think, you know, but many Male and female, because you said we we want don't want to forget the men that might feel mar- marginalised as well. So we want to empower everyone. So Mairead McGuinness, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time, and you just well done. And we're so proud of you. Well, I have to say, I wouldn't be as well done if I hadn't met you <laughs> a while ago, and we had a great conversation. So and a great friendship. Lovely to chat to Lovely. you. And, and thank, thank you, Mairead, and safe. Bye bye. Take care and bye-bye. mind yourself. Bye bye. Take care. Bye-bye.